Loving Father, Lord, you said that it was not good that man should be alone. And Adam, as he was naming all the animals, he looked around and he did not find someone equal or suitable for himself. And Lord, when he came to that realization, you answered that desire in his heart. You put him in a deep sleep. You took one of his ribs and you formed woman. Father, you presented her to him. And thus was began the first marriage relationship. So Father, we understand that this is something that has come from your hand. This is not something the world has devised or could have even come up with. This is from you. It's a special gift. It's a gift which society has grossly perverted. And Father, I just pray that through this brief time together, that someone here might be blessed with a deeper understanding of what it means to be in a godly relationship. And so, Father, I thank you for this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start out by asking you a question. I like to ask questions because I've, I've discovered that you actually learn a lot by asking questions, right? And uh, I've even heard people say there's no such thing as a stupid question. There actually is. Uh, people just tell you that to get you to ask questions. So I like to ask thoughtful questions, right? I mean, if, let me give you an example of a stupid question. I go into a pizza place and I order a burrito. Can I order? No, that's a stupid request. Or you're in a pizza. You see what I'm saying? So this, there's no such thing as a stupid. There is. Okay, so we want to ask intelligent questions. And so hopefully this is an intelligent question. What is the difference between dating and courting? Help me out. It's not rhetorical. And please remember, I get paid by the month, so I can stand here all day. Paid by the month. Isn't it beautiful? Talk to me, sis. Okay, so intentionality could be a component that differentiates dating and courting. Okay. With the purpose of marriage. Okay, so there's, there's a... Okay. Okay, so you guys are going to run a couple of roving mics here. Yes. No, you want to do it? Okay. Yeah, they are recording these for, for accountability. So the conference reviews these to see if I'll have my job after we're done. All right. So the first person that answered, who was the first person? That Young answered? lady back you here. What you said? So the question was, what is the difference between dating and courting? I think courting is more intentional in your purpose to get to know the person for a long-term relationship okay. than dating would be. All right, so that intentionality is a differentiation. Okay. And then the young lady up here, she had a comment as well. Just, just for a little orientation on these mics, they're directional mics, so you have to hold them this way, not like this. Okay? So if you hold it at your belly, all we're going to hear is gurgling. <laughs> okay, so right here. Okay, so what do you think is the difference? I had some friends and their parents only let them court. And in that situation... They were only allowed to go out in groups. They were never allowed to be alone with their intended person. And so those were some aspects of their, yes, of their parameters. Like you're never alone with the opposite sex. It was always only um, groups. Okay. Or so what is the um, difference, though? So what's in, the difference between dating, that and dating, though? In dating, 
sometimes you are alone with okay. the intended person. But I think in both situations, you, in, I think in the Adventist world or even Christian, I think we try to have the intention of dating. I don't think we should date just to date. I think there okay. should be an intention. But so there's a goal in the end. There should be a goal. Okay. Other thoughts? Any other thoughts? This is good. This is good. You guys are bringing some good stuff to the table. I want to give you a few definitions. And this one from Wikipedia. And so what I'm going to try to show you also, this is Wikipedia. And you know, as you, if you know anything about Wikipedia, if you log in, you can edit Wikipedia. Okay. So this is, this is crowdsourced editing. Okay, but it says, based on that, a stage of human mating, the human mating process whereby two people meet socially, possibly as friends, or possibly with the aim of each assessing the other's suitability as a partner in an intimate relationship or marriage. It can be a form of courtship consisting of social activities done by the couple. Okay, not, not too bad so far, right? Okay. Google's online definition for courting, if, to define courting, as a behavior designed to persuade someone to marry or develop a romantic relationship with one. Okay. Huh? Listen, I had to persuade Ginger, and it worked. <laughs> Listen, don't knock it until you try it. Right? Anyway. But I want you to see... There's a, there's a dictionary source that I took these from... I'm not going to tell you the name of it because there's a lot of garbage there, but I want you to see what some of the modern thoughts are on dating, okay? And I want you to understand, and this is probably good for the parents that are here to recognize, I'm going to be sharing some things within these two seminars that are beneath the surface a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? We're not just going to come along and scratch the surface. We're going to be talking about sex a little bit and those kind of things. And I know it freaks people out to talk to a pastor about sexual things. So I'm not going to try to freak you out, but I am going to try to be real with you a little bit, okay? And so some of the definitions on here, they don't contain any rude or anything like that. And we're not going to get graphic. That's not my intention. And I just lost two. All right. So notice this. Some have said that dating is a socially acceptable form of prostitution. Others have said that it's a form of prostitution in which sex is paid for in installments rather than at one, all at once. Now, what's behind that? The idea is, well, my ultimate goal is to have a sexual experience. And so and I'm doing that by taking her out to dinner buying flowers. You understand, that's, that's the thought press that's, that's behind this. It's not because I'm trying to make you feel special with these gifts. Really, to me, these are just installments in getting where I ultimately want to end up. Are you following me? The other one. This one's a little bit wordy, but it says, the modern-day battlefield of romance. This is what dating is, where hearts are won and broken. It's the not-quite-so version of chivalry and wooing. It's an interview for a lover. That's really what dating is for this person. They, they lay down some time and money and see if you get some candy routine. Do you see the twisted mentality and how something that God intended to be pure and sacred and holy in vast majority has been twisted? It's the progressed game of cat and mouse, the human courtship ritual, which I will disagree with publicly, and playing baseball for a home run. 
So I want, you to, I want to encourage you to get away from the term dating, okay? And here's the reason why. Because most people outside of Christian circles, now I know when my sister answered up here, she was prefacing her comments in the context of Christian Adventist and even just Christian dating, okay? But I want you to understand as you're talking in general terms to much of society, dating is simply viewed as a way to find my next sexual partner. And let me ask you, do you think God ever intended that for us? Absolutely not. It's, so it's a perverse, it's a perverted, it's, it's an adulterated version of what God actually intended. So I don't use the term dating when I'm talking to my kids. I don't use the term dating when I'm talking to my young people at the churches that I've had the privilege to serve, okay? I've, got, I've gotten away from that as my understanding has changed. And so we're going to stick more with this behavior designed to persuade someone to marry or develop a romantic relationship with one, okay? And that's kind of generic, but then we're going to put some Christian principles around that. We're going to try to frame that according to God's principles, okay? But let's ask the question, how should Christians approach courtship? And so if courtship is this behavior that's designed to persuade someone, and I know my man here, he doesn't like the word persuade. He thought that was funny. But if it's, if it's designed, let's stick with the latter half of the definition, okay, at least. If it's, to, if, if it's a behavior designed to marry or to develop a romantic relationship with someone, how should we as Christians approach that? Well, I'm going to give you some guidelines. And I'm going to say this to you. No courtship should begin without prayer. Somebody should have said Amen. God does have to be first, and we're going to talk about that. And so as a Christian, now remember, I'm not framing this in the context of Joe Blow down the street or in you know, any, any neighborhood USA. I'm saying as a Christian, we should not even consider beginning any type of courtship evaluation unless we have first prayed about it and asked the Lord, what do you want for my life? Okay, so it has to start there. Now here's another big one. No courtship should begin until you are emotionally mature enough to handle a relationship and make decisions based on principles instead of feelings. Now, friends, that's a tall order because how many of us, and again, I'm not, here to, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick on teenagers, but how many of us when we became teenagers thought, man, I've got the world by the tail, I've got this thing figured out, you know, I have an understanding, you know, I'm, I'm, my voice has changed, you know, and so somehow we get it in our heads that that equates to emotional maturity. Now, what is emotional maturity? Emotional maturity is exactly what the latter part of the statement says. It's the ability to make decisions based on principles instead of feelings. There was a guy one morning. He's there with his wife. They're just waking up for the day. And he says to her, Honey, I do not feel like going to work today. The people are all judgmental. I don't like my boss. It's just, I mean, it's just a real drag. What do you think I should do? She rolled over and looked at him and said, Well, you are the pastor, so you probably should get up and go to church. <laughs> Was he basing his decision on principle or feeling? On feelings. Now, that's a messed up pastor if he feels that way, right? You notice I'm going to pick on pastors first, okay? 
That way it gives me license to pick on you, all right? You're welcome. It's my pleasure, actually. But emotional maturity. And some of us, you know, we may ask the question, well, how do I know if I have emotional maturity? Ask somebody who loves you enough to tell you the truth. Seriously, ask somebody who loves you enough to tell you the truth. And a friend that just pats you on the back and gets all (laughs) stupid with you when you're making your decisions is not a true friend. That's just somebody who's going through whatever stage in life you happen to be in. A true friend looks at you and says, you know what, I love you, but that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of anybody saying that they're going to do. Pastor Corey and I have that type of relationship. And I'm not going to tell you how often we have to tell each other that. But I'm going to tell you, it is invaluable in your life having somebody that cares enough to tell you the truth. You have to find someone, I believe, before you truly should even think about getting into a courtship relationship, find someone in your life that can be a spiritual mentor to you. And this should be someone, again, who loves you enough to do what? Tell you the truth and not merely a cheerleader. Because we can all find cheerleaders, you know, rah, rah, go, go, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay, that works just fine until you find yourself in an emotionally crushed heap because somebody didn't love you enough. And here's the thing. Emotional maturity is not just, you know, making decisions on principle rather than feeling. It's having the good sense to listen to good counsel when it comes your way. And I'm going to tell you, friends, that is hard. Because, I mean, we want what we want when we want it, don't we? Right? And we are the text generation, drive-through, give-it-to-me-now generation. I don't want to wait. And so it's kind of hard sometimes to put the brakes on and say, you know what? Maybe I ought to think this through a little differently. Okay? But I believe these are some of the first starting points. Prayer, emotional maturity, and having a good mentoring relationship in your life. And that could be a family member. It could be a pastor. It could be a parent. You've got to figure out who that is for you, who you can connect with. Well, let's continue on here. I want to talk to you about some of the stages of courtship, okay? And Pastor Corey, help me stay on time. Pastor Steve, help me stay on track with the time, okay? Pre-courtship. Now, I'm going to break this down somewhat clinically. I'm going to break this down, but, but please know these things actually happen very naturally as you think about the process, okay? And so we're going to present it in somewhat clinical terms, maybe a little bit, but I've tried to make it as practical and as lay-appropriate as possible. And so pre-courtship, what does that look like? Well, I may show you what a clicker looks like bouncing off the back wall. Pastor Corey, you guys are going to have to help me here. Pre-courtship, it's go on group dates. And again, I'm using that term loosely, okay? But in a group setting, we understand what we're talking about, right? Group outings to know the other person or work with them in some meaningful, innocuous way. What does innocuous mean? Harmless. Innocuous means that it's harmless. In other words, you're not doing something that's risque. You're not doing something that you shouldn't be doing. If you have something that's innocuous, it's, it's like thinking of talking about inert gas, Inert gas doesn't have any bearing on it. It's just kind of there. Okay, so innocuous work or some sort of group setting where you can just get to know people. And I'm going to tell you another little tip, too. If you have somebody that you think you might be interested in, see how they talk to their family. See how they treat their family members. Because guess what? 
when they know you as well as they know their family, guess how they're going to talk to you? The same way they talk to their family members. And so if you ladies are interested in the guy and he's mouthy to his mother, <laughs> red flags, okay? Red flags. If he's disrespectful to his mother, if he's disrespectful to his siblings, if he's dis... And you know, with some of these things we have to kind of take in in a relative sense. Kids fight, right? And if you live with people, I mean, I, I don't... I can, I can remember more times that we were fighting than weren't fighting when we were kids. It's just the way we grew up. Another thing. Well, you boys are getting zealous there. Pre-courtship. This allows development of deeper feelings. If you can observe someone in a group setting and you can observe them from a distance, you're not getting yourself emotionally tied to them and you can kind of observe, oh, that was interesting. Oh, wow, that was a, that was a kind thing that they did. Well, that was neat how they did that without being asked. They seem to have a heart of service or, or wow, man, they, they really speak ugly to people. Uh, they really put down that waiter or that waitress. Wow, they, that was really, that was harsh. So some of these things we need to, to look out for. We need this development in this group setting to help discern the will of God before committing to each other more formally. And I'm telling you, there's safety, there's safety, there's safety, there's safety in those group settings. In fact, I'm going to share a principle with you that sounds kind of corny, but I'm going to share it with you in just a second. I think you'll appreciate it. But notice this. After you've spent some time in this group setting, you know, getting to know people, okay, and somebody starts to stand out. Man, that sombrero was really cool. She took a lot of guts to wear that sombrero, you know. And so, man, by the way, she's, she's kind of cute. You know, and so you, you, we, we start having all these thoughts, right? And, man, I'd like to get to know her better. And, again, I'm going to tell you more of our story and my testimony. But if that tra attraction is sensed, both of you should do what? What does it say? Both of you should rush to get each other's phone number and set up your first private meeting. What's the first thing you should do? Back off. Put the brakes on. Now, is that not counterintuitive to what society teaches us? Society says, man, don't, don't, don't put the brakes on. Throw the gas down, right? Woo, let's go. For the Christian, you need to back off. That's the time to kind of step back and do a couple of things. What did we come back to? What did I tell you to start out with before you entered, even think about a courtship relationship? Prayer. Okay, Lord, and Ginger's pretty cute. Lord, I think I would like to get to know Ginger better. Lord, what would you have me do? She seems kind. She pays attention in class. Did I mention, Lord, she's cute? <laughs> Physical attraction's okay, but you're going to find out that's not, not everything. But pray, talk to the Lord about it. And guys, I'm going to tell you, prayer is not just throwing out your wish list to God. The, one of the biggest parts of prayer is listening. Put it out there. Say, Lord, here's where my heart is. Here's where I start. I'm starting to feel this attraction, this draw. But Lord, what do you want? Lord, show me what you want. Receive counsel from your spiritual mentors. Ask somebody else. 
And, 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 and friends, I'm going to tell you, pick somebody who can keep their mouth shut. Don't, don't, don't talk to people that your business, I mean, it, it, it's telephone, telegraph, tell whoever. Okay, you don't want that type of person. Pick somebody who understands what confidentiality is and that is going to trust the value of, of, of your trust. You know, they're going to value your trust with them is what I'm trying to say. But bounce it off of them. Say, hey, you know, I'm really thinking that I, I may be attracted to Ginger, may want to get to know her better. You know, you've observed her or here's what I've told you. What do you think? I've been praying about it. Get that counsel. What does the Bible teach us about counselors? There is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Ask people and ask people who have the same Christian values that you have. Again, don't ask the cheerleaders because they're, give me a G. You know, they're just, they're just going to say, go for it, right? Ask people who have your spiritual values. And then what was this part? Wait to hear from God before moving forward. You remember the story of Jacob? Now, Jacob, the name one who grabs by the hill, right, became synonymous with the deceiver because of what he did to Esau. But eventually, Jacob had a conversion experience with God, yes or no? And eventually, Jacob came to the place where he said, you know what, I'm not moving, Lord, until you show me where I should go. And that's how that developed. I'm telling you, you will thank yourself, you will thank the Lord that you took your time. And I'm going to tell you, anybody that's really worth having, they're worth waiting on. Because if you ask how many people have rushed into relationships, to marriages, to other things, and they said, man, I wished I had just taken a little more time. So back off a little bit. And, and I'm going to tell you, if you're communicating this kind of stuff with your friends, and if you talk about these types of principles with your friends, your friends are going to know your values, right? And so it's not going to seem kind of weird. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to Ginger, um, and then I back off. Well, you know, then it becomes mind games, right? Well, are they, are they playing, playing with me? Are they trying to pull me in and then, you know, dangle something before me? Or well, what are they doing? But if you share your principles with your group of friends and they adopt those principles, all of you are going to be on the same page and you're not going to get pressure from your friends. Are you tracking with me, guys? Does that make sense to you? So sharing those principles with your friends. So this pre-courtship, let's continue. Attraction should never be just based on what? Physical attributes. Now, here's where I get into a little bit of trouble with my wife. You've got to look at this person the rest of your life. Okay? So I am not going to discount. It's the truth. And listen, guys. Listen, ladies. One day you're going to wake up beside somebody... And their hair is not going to be all frou-frou. Their hair going to be sticking out like six ways from Friday. Their breath's not going to smell minty fresh. Their breath smell like they just ate the garbage disposal. They're going to make weird noises. Are you following me? So you've got all of this humanity that, that plays into this equation. And so physical attraction is a part of it. Okay, so I'm not discounting that. But I'm going to tell you, physical attraction is not everything. Okay, 
And, 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 and it is never truer than in relationships, the phrase beauty is in the eye of the beholder, okay? What's beautiful to you, what's beautiful to someone else, may not, nece- you know, it may not necessarily be the same thing. So that, if that attraction is there for you, well, then that's between you and them. That's between you and the Lord, okay? But it can't be just based on physical attributes. But I want you to see this part. However, to marry someone we are not attracted to because they are spiritually strong is a what? Spiritual strength. Is that a quality we should desire as a Christian? Yes. If you have someone spiritually strong that you can't stand to look at, is that going to benefit your spiritual relationship? No. Here comes the, 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 you know, the pious, ugly mud again. I'm telling you, people say cruel things. People say cruel things. And eventually, if you have somebody you can't stand to be around because of other characteristics, it's not going to matter how spiritual, how pious, how committed to Christ they are. All of these things have to play together. Okay, let's look a little further. Likewise, it is a mistake to marry someone because of physical attributes and personality, but who has no spiritual life. Oh, this person might be the life of the party. This person might be handsome. They might be beautiful, but then you can't get them to go to church. You can't get them to participate in spiritual events. And then your heart is pulling towards that. And all of a sudden, and I cannot tell you how many times I see this in pastoral ministry, you've got one person who is, you know, they, they, they want to be involved. They want to give all to the Lord. And then you've got somebody over here who says, oh, why are you at the church all the time? You've got another meeting? I've heard it. I've heard it more times than I can remember. Okay? So you've got to have somebody not just that you can look at, but that is your spiritual equal or at least on the same journey with you. Are you following me? It, it just it creates a lot of hardship. But I'm going to suggest to you that we should find attraction in four major areas, okay? Physical, when we think of attraction, that's where most of us, I would say 99% of the people, that's where your mind goes. I'm attracted to that person. Translation, I think they're beautiful, I think they're handsome, I think they're hot, blah, 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 whatever. But I would suggest to you, attraction actually manifests in four major areas. Physical, okay, it's there. You got to look at this person the rest of your life. Pick somebody you can look at, okay? Emotionally. If your emotional maturity is here, and you marry someone whose emotional maturity is down here, guess what you just became? Their parent. You just became their parent. Because guess who's going to have to deal with all their temper tantrums? Guess who's going to have to deal with them when they Jerry Springer right in the the middle of whatever, right? And they start losing their mind. You are. And you're going to sit there and you're going to think, why are you acting like this? It's because emotionally they haven't matured past a certain point. And how does that happen? Well, it happens a lot of times through our parenting. We have to be careful not to just always be the emotional crutch for our, for our kids. We've got to let them take some hits, right? You're there to support them. You don't kick them to the curb. But you also, I mean, my kids learn very quickly. Do not 
stand in the store and beg me for every little silly thing that the marketing team thought should be at your knee level. It's not happening. And God help you if you lose your mind and fall on the floor and start screaming. Because I'm going to give you a reason to scream in about three seconds. And I don't believe in child abuse, but the Bible teaches very clearly. You, well, we say spare the rod and spoil the child. You know what the verse actually says? He who spares the rod hates his child. It's actually worse than just spoiling them. Now, I'm, I'm not promoting child abuse, but sometimes, listen, I made a scientific discovery. There are receptors that run from the ear to the brain, and they are like clogged over, broken down pathways. And many times information does not travel from here to here. But there are receptors that run from here to the brain that are like a six-lane interstate highway. And sometimes a little traffic on that interstate, it brings clarity to everybody's life. Okay? That's all I'm going to say about that because this isn't a parenting seminar. But you need to pick someone as a life partner who has emotional maturity or else you will become their what? Their parent. Intellectually. You want somebody that can relate to you. If you find joy reading dictionaries, just stay with me. Stay with me. If you find joy reading dictionaries, you better find somebody who doesn't mind reading dictionaries. Right? If you don't like reading, it might be a little difficult, right? And, I'm, you know, we have different tastes. But find someone who can relate to you intellectually. Right? Because otherwise it will be a challenge to you. And here's what will happen. If you don't have someone to whom you can relate on an intellectual level, you will actually find those relationships elsewhere, and you may find a relationship that takes you off on a tangent in a direction you shouldn't go. Okay? So there needs to be at least some level of intellectual compatibility. Now, I want to say this. Your spouse doesn't necessarily fill every need in your life. Okay? Sometimes you have different friends that fill that need, but you got to be careful who those friends are, okay? If, let's say, for instance, I'll just pick on myself. What do I want to tell you about myself? How far do I want to pull back the curtain? Is it safe? Will they think less of me? Will I lose my ministry? Um, no. But let's say as far as hobbies, okay? I like flying model RC planes. Those are just really cool. I've always wanted to fly, always wanted to be a pilot. And my wife loves that I love to do that. But how many times do you think she wants to go flying with me? Probably not often. Oh, honey, that's, look at this new plane I built. Oh, that's nice, honey. And so I may have to find some buddies to connect with to do that. You know what I'm saying? And so just realize not everything you enjoy, your spouse has to be your equal in that or love it with you, okay? But there needs to be some intellectual connection so that when you talk about your day and you articulate what you're going through, they're not sitting there drooling out of one side of their head wondering, what are you talking about? You want some, oh, okay, yeah, I make, that makes sense. I understand what, oh, yeah, that, I understand what you're saying about that. 
Okay, and some of that is growth. You grow together in that in your understanding, okay? Spiritually, <clears throat> I saved this for last, not because it's the least, but because Jesus saved the best for last, right? The wedding story of Cana there. I know the bridegroom was credited, but Jesus did the miracle, okay? Spiritually, I cannot tell you how important it is to be equally yoked, to be on the same page spiritually. <clears throat> and what does that mean? Well, it means somebody who loves Jesus Christ first and foremost. Okay, and we're going to talk more about that in part two as we break down the pathway to marriage. But I want you to understand, if you have somebody who's not interested in Jesus, please look the other way. Please do yourself a favor. Because here's what I like to ask people. Is that person that you're considering dating or courting or marrying... Is that person worth losing eternity for? No one should be worth that, right? And I really appreciated what Dr. Saman had to share with us on Sabbath, that if you don't fall upon the rock, eventually the rock's going to fall upon you. So isn't it better to find someone who wants to be broken on the rock of Jesus Christ, who wants him as their personal Savior, who wants to advance the truth of the three angels' messages? And that's what you want your heart to be connected to. So, if, so look at this. So now notice, notice the multifaceted approach now to attraction. Was physical a part of it, yes or no? Yes, physical was a part of it. Is it the only part? No. On this breakdown, it's only 25%. And it may be even less depending on how your sliders go, right? You may say, well, that physical attraction to me, that's 2%. Okay, but there, better, there needs to be at least some physical attraction there. You need someone who's not a, an emotional child that you have to become their parent. Let them marry another emotional midget. Okay? It's compatibility, right? Listen, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be real with you. If you've got somebody that's an emotional midget, so to speak, and they don't want to grow up emotionally, let them marry somebody else who's going around in those circles. But if you have matured and you want to have principle-based decisions, find someone else who's interested in principle-based decisions. Does that make sense? Intellectually, we've covered that, but spiritually, I want to come back and I want to drive that nail a little deeper. You've got to have someone who's in love with Jesus or they're going to pull you away. And if they don't pull you away, at the very least, it's going to make your experience with Christ more difficult. Because when you want to go get involved with something at church, oh, you're going to another meeting. Oh, why are you always... I had a lady one time in one of the churches that I served, her husband allowed her to go to one church meeting a week. And most of the time that was Sabbath, but if there was something else really special that she wanted to go to, she would go to that and then couldn't come on Sabbath because he wouldn't let her spend the money on gas. You don't understand. If you've not seen people fight over spiritual things, then you can't understand what I'm telling you. But I pray that you'll trust me a little bit because I've, I've witnessed it firsthand. Let's keep moving. Oh, mercy. Now we're into the courtship phase. Once a man and a woman, what does that say on the screen? Once a who? Once a who? Man and a woman. 
And friends, I'm not in here to get into the whole LGBTQ, TRF, whatever, because it's, it's actually more than the LGBT. There's a whole list of acronyms or, you know, letters there. I'm not here to debate that, okay? I am working off of the premise that God created Adam, took a rib from his side, created Eve, brought them together, and a man shall leave his mother and his father, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's the premise that I'm working from, okay? If you have other thoughts, deal with that. I can talk to you offline, but just know that's the premise I'm working from in this presentation. But once a man and a woman have confirmed God's will for them to be together, they can officially begin spending more time together in an intentional way. Now, notice the words that have come out. When I asked earlier the difference between dating and courtship, wasn't intentionality one of the words that came out? So now we're seeing that come full circle, okay? Now you can be more intentional, but it doesn't mean the guidelines and the safeguards go away. Both should understand that officially courting someone should never happen if there is no desire to eventually marry that person. If you don't have marriage as your end goal, just stay hanging out with your friends. Don't go down the courtship road, okay? And I'll tell you, I, I want to get into some statistics about cohabitation, but I'm going to save that for tomorrow. But I want you to know what most of society has showed us today that courtship or dating is all about is, well, let's shack up together and let's see how it goes. I'm going to share some shocking statistics with you, and it's official research. It's not just, well, I think that's a bad idea. I'm going to show you some statistical research tomorrow that shows you just how marriages fail and how people set themselves up for failure by living together. Okay? I'll show you that tomorrow. Strict guidelines need to be established for what's that word in bold? Not having physical contact. And I'm going to be a little strict here. Girls, you don't need to be hugging guys. And I want you to understand why I'm saying that. Ladies, there is a portion of your body that is accentuated on the front part of your body. Do I need to be any more explicit? Okay? And so when you hug and press in together, that can stir up feelings that should not be stirred up at that time. And that's why even gentlemen, we that are married, we should be careful how we give hugs of fellowship and Christian greeting. It shouldn't be these full chest embraces and holding each other. You know, it needs to be the tent hug. And I know some people make fun of it, and they say, oh, you're, you're, you're corny. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be corny than lost. I'd rather be corny than stir up sexual appetite that should not be stirred. And so, you know, a little side hug, you know, the one-arm side hug, you know, might, could be appropriate. But I'm going to say if you have that interest and there's something growing there, just, just leave off the physical contact. You know, high-five each other or something, you know. All right, sweetheart. I mean, I, I'm creative, okay? Be creative, but, but standing and holding and hugging each other and sitting and holding hands, I'm telling you, it, oh, Pastor, that's innocuous, that's innocent. You would be amazed, ladies, I'm going to speak to you directly, 
you would be amazed how little, how little it takes for a man to experience sexual arousal. I'm, I'm not trying to be off color. I'm not trying to be crass. I'm not trying to be rude. But I'm telling you, you, you don't understand how little it takes. And some ladies are the same way. But guys are especially susceptible to it just because of our physiology. In fact, I'll say this to you, and I see little ones, so I'm going to try to be as careful as I can. When young men are experiencing puberty, Sometimes there are responses that happen in their body without any stimulation. And so touching, so if, so if that can happen with nothing happening, imagine how easy it is to trip that trigger, so to speak, with touching, with full frontal embraces. We have to have some strict guidelines. And this is something that if you're a person that you're interested in, they say, oh, well, that's just you're, just, you're just being overly cautious. Red flag just went straight up the pole. Back off. If they're not willing to respect that, if they look at you and say, you're not worth waiting to hold your hand, you're not worth waiting for it to touch, you're not worth waiting for it to hug, then they don't deserve you. These guidelines should include not being alone where you can fall into sin. And it's so easy, it's so easy, so easy. Be careful. In fact, I think that you need to follow the banana rule. Now, doesn't that just sound corny? But the banana rule, you know, okay, what is that? I'm going to tell you. But the banana rule will save a lot of heartache and regret. So what is the banana rule for courtship? There's safety in staying with the bunch. How many folk have you ever seen eat a bunch of bananas at the same time? Nobody peels six bananas. <laughs> you're weird if you eat. <laughs> just go call you out. I mean, if you're eating a bunch of, I, I, you can't even physically do it. All right? When does the banana get in trouble? When it's peeled from the bunch, right? It's broken away from the bunch, and then it gets peeled. So I know it sounds corny, but listen, call it whatever you want to call it. You know, but I, for me, it makes sense. If I stay in the bunch, there's safety. It's when it's separated. Can you at least agree with that? Yeah, yeah I know he's messing with me. <laughs> I like this guy's sense of humor, though. Safety and staying with the bunch. All right, let's keep moving here. Engagement. I want to hit engagement. And I'm going to go ahead and put these on the screen because we're getting short on time, but I want to hit them. As a relationship develops, guys, pay attention. This is especially for you, please. The man should take the step to seek permission from his lady's father, parent, or guardian before he asks her to marry him. Go talk to someone. Before you pop the question, when you've gotten that far in your courtship, before you pop the question, have, have the decency, have the respect. Be, be a little old-fashioned. Go sit down and talk to somebody and say, you know, I'd like to marry your daughter. I'd like your blessing. How, how, do you, how would you feel about that? How, how could I have your blessing? And it may be, maybe you don't have a dad. Maybe it's your mom. Whoever that key person is in your life that would be the go-to person, that's who they need to be talking to. 
Once the blessing of marriage is secured, the proposal should be made in a meaningful and creative way. Guys, knock her socks off. I mean, come up with something really creative. Mine was lame, but I think it worked. We were making pizza. And somehow in the midst of the dough, the sauce, and the cheese, was born a love. And as we stared into each other's eyes, I said, Ginger, would you marry me? And she swooned and just melted, and she accepted my proposal and thus brought together the two loves of my life, pizza and ginger. <laughs> I'm still wearing some pizza from years gone by, and praise the Lord, I still have ginger. But be creative, guys. I hear all time, you know, I'll do premarital counseling with different couples, and before I even start the counseling, the first thing I ask them is, tell me how you came together, tell me about your courtship, and I want to know how you asked the question. I'm looking for ideas, you know, in case I need to counsel folk, you know. Hear all kind of cool things. This, this one couple that I just recently started uh, doing some counseling with, premarital counseling, they um, were telling me their story, and he used a geocaching kind of thing. He was like, and she wasn't really into it, and he's like, oh, just go geocaching with me. Do you know what geocaching is? It's where you take a coordinate, uh, a coordinate on a GPS, and you go to these coordinates, and people hide little treasures, and there's websites dedicated to geocaching, right? And so you go, and you find the little thing that they hid at those coordinates. Well, he's walking with his GPS, and he had you know, hidden a little surprise, you know, to pop the question and everything. And they're following the coordinates. And he's like, well, I think it's over there. See if you can find it. And, you know, she goes and gets it. And when she, op when she opened it up, part of his thing fell apart. And so it, it kind of went bad on him. But it was a great idea, you know. And she was just so thrilled that he went to all that trouble to ask her to marry him. And it was just real sweet, real precious. So get creative with that. Um, Lotus Part C here. After the engagement is official, arrangements, and it should be a comma there, sorry, arrangements should be made to get both families together so they can get to know each other better. Because I'm going to tell you something. You may not believe this, but you're not marrying, marrying just a person. You're marrying a family. <laughs> you're marrying a family. We're going to talk more about that one tomorrow. But you are marrying a family and it's good to get those families together if you can and just have a, you know, engagement celebration. You know, say we want to celebrate our engagement and we're inviting our families together. Have a little engagement party. That's a good thing to start letting the families mingle, figure out who each other are. It's a good thing. Now, part D here. Take a premarital inventory. Again, this is a little more clinical terms. Or a marriage compatibility assessment. And you need to take them separately from your fiancé. Now, these are things, these are tools that are available online. If you do a search for marriage compatibility test or premarital inventory assessments, you can find different tools online. Um, and usually 100, 150, 200 questions, the good ones. And you will be amazed at what they reveal um, by basically assessing both of your personalities and telling you how compatible you are based on emotional maturity. Now notice this. 
the inventory or compatibility test should be taken before a wedding date is set. Why? Because nearly 20% of couples who do these tests realize they should not get married. So think about that. How many people do you think actually take one of these assessments? Very few. But out of those that do, 20% roundabout realize, you know what? This person's actually going to drive me crazy. This person is not interested in the same things I am at all. This person's not on the same level I am in any way. Would it not be better to end an engagement or a courtship instead of getting into a bad marriage and ended up with a broken relationship or a broken home? It's much better. Find out on the front end. But then after you've gone through that, it might even be good to wait to set that wedding date until you do your premarital counseling. Most of the time, people come to me and they ask for the premarital counseling. They've already set their date. If I get to them beforehand, if, if a young man comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm thinking about such and such, I always tell them, if you get engaged, wait and set in your date. Get to know each other better. Do some counseling together. See how they react in the premarital counseling. Because when you do premarital counseling, I give them homework. You go home and you do your homework and bring it back and we talk about it. And we handle some very tough things. I'm going to go over that with you in, a, in, a, in brief tomorrow. But once the marriage inventory, the test is done, both of you feel certain you're compatible, arrangements should be made to receive premarital counseling. And that should be done with someone who has a successful marriage. Doesn't, isn't that a no-brainer? I'm going to go to this mechanic, but he's never fixed anything. Well, that was a good idea, Right? You want to counsel with someone who has had a successful marriage and has led others in doing so. Okay, if you go to someone who doesn't know how to be married themselves and they're not following biblical principles, you're wasting your time. In fact, you may be setting yourself up for failure. And here's a big point. Please get this. There should be no resistance to counseling from your fiancé. If you have a fiancé that says, you know what, I'm not really interested in doing the whole premarital counseling thing, shake their hand, keep or take back your engagement gift, and leave. I would say let them keep the gift. Consolation prize. They didn't get you, so let them keep the gift, right? Just practical for me. But if they resist counseling, what they're saying to you is, I have life all figured out and I don't need anybody's help red flag. Because I'm going to tell you, anybody who's experienced life at least a little bit, one of the quickest things you learn is how much you don't know. And so I'm going to tell you, if you're, if you're one of these people who thinks that nobody can tell you anything, you got it all figured out, good luck. We'll just wait and see how it works out for you. But the statistics are against you. We're going to take the last few minutes here and uh, bring our roving mics back. And so we'll do a few questions here. If you have any, if you don't, that's fine too. But if you have some questions, I'll be glad to try to answer any questions that you have based on what we've presented today. Yes, ma'am. You're asking, the question is, she won't be here tomorrow. Is there any way you can get the second part? Again, it goes back to my email. If you will send me an email request, 
I will be glad to send you the PowerPoint or a PDF of the printout of the slides or something. So again, that's pastorbentley at gmail.com. Any other questions? I've either, I've either answered every possible question you could entertain or I've confused you so badly you don't know which to ask. <clears throat> I wonder which it is. Okay, young man back here. Uh, on the part on uh, treating the, the opposite, your parent, like the guys, how they treat the mom or the girls, how they treat their dad, is that always true? Like, is there any exceptions on like? There, there can be exceptions to that if there's a very dysfunctional relationship and um, especially in cases of abuse or estrangement where there's issues that haven't been worked out. So that's why I say that's not the, that's not the lone indicator, but that's, that's, that's a gauge. Uh, when you're first starting to get to know people. And if there's a messed up relationship with their parents, see how they treat their other friends. The, the, the concept that I'm trying to convey in that is saying, look how they treat the people that they're closest to. For some people, that's their mom and dad. For others, that's going to be their, their inner circle of friends or so-called friends if they treat them like trash. And so the concept is watch how they, uh, they treat their closest peop the closest people in their lives. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's not the parents, you're right. Any other questions? Let me ask you this, as, you're, as you may be getting some courage to ask one. Does this make sense? Does this, does this sound reasonable at all, or does this sound just totally out in left field to you? Sounds reasonable? Well, I want to encourage you, if, you, if you'd like, you know, like, a, like I said, a PDF copy of this or something, I'll be glad to email it to you. Like I said, just shoot me a quick email or drop me a text. I'd be glad to share it with you because I certainly don't have the, the market cornered on knowledge and I want to share what I do know with anybody else, okay? All right. I'm not seeing any other hands. Okay. One more up here. We've got a, got a question here. Yes, sir. If you're, if you're in the service, if you're in the service and you don't have a lot of time in your hands, um, how does the whole courtship thing work if you were like, you're busy like for months on end it takes longer yeah the, the the short answer is people look people look for people look for reasons to shortcut I'm not saying that's why you were asking but I'm, I'm prior military I was in the army as a chaplain assistant spent 12 months in Iraq so I understand long-distance relationships and how to how to function in that type of thing but I will say this, I've seen soldiers make very foolish mistakes. Um, there, was, there, was a, there was a guy actually in the unit that I deployed with to Iraq who rushed to get married because he was afraid that she would marry someone else while he was gone. Horrible reason. And um, during the course of his deployment, he never even took, when you're on a 12-month deployment with the Army, they give you 15 days to go home sometime during that 12 months. His relationship became so strained with his wife, he didn't even take the 15 days to go home. And so he stayed in theater for the entire 12 months. And when he came back, there was nobody waiting for him, at least as a spouse. His, his mom and dad came, <clears throat> but she had decided to leave him. So he was, he was married less than three months before he deployed and then came back basically divorced. And so 
So I, my, my counsel to service members, you know, armed forces, to take the time. Because here's one of the big questions. <clears throat> if you can't find time to court, mm -hmm. if you can't find time to do the counseling, then you're not going to find time to build a marriage. Does that make sense? One builds upon the other. Okay, any other questions or comments before we close up? You got one more? Okay. <clears throat> What's your thoughts on online dating? Well, the online dating sites, first of all, I think um, I, I really push Adventist marrying Adventists. You know, I'm not, I don't apologize for that. I'll talk more about that tomorrow. But so I think Adventist singles, you know, is probably a, if you're going to do that, probably the, and, I, and I've not looked at Adventist singles lately for any reason, sweetheart. <laughs> um, not even for research purposes. Um, but, you know, you just want to be careful because if there's a distance factor, you know, and I have a couple right now who's, who's married in the, in the church that I'm currently serving, and she was, you know, mid-America, mid, mid and he was on the West Coast, and so far it seems to be working. They, you know, they got married and lived separately while he was waiting to retire. You know, relationships can be very complex, but again, I think you, you, you pull as much of these principles in as possible and still do your homework with people and still be very careful and make sure that who they say they are online is who they say they are. Amen. Because you can get a picture, you can create any kind of profile. I mean, I, I could be Mr. Universe online. <laughs> In reality, it's like, <laughs> that dude? Yeah. So you got to be careful. All right. Anybody else? All right. Well, why don't we close with a word of prayer? And I hope that this has been a blessing to you and beneficial. And if you have any other questions you didn't want to ask publicly, feel free to shoot me an email or talk to me offline. I'll try to be helpful if I can. All right, let's pray. Loving Father, Lord, relationships are so complex because we're complex. We're not just simple robotic automatons. We are people with deep intellectual capacity, deep emotional connections, because we were created in your image, and that's a wonderful thing. But Father, we recognize sin has really messed up the way our circuits work sometimes. Our perceptions of what's good and what's, what's pure, what's holy, gets maligned. And so, Father, we need your help figuring all this stuff out. And Lord, I know I can't fix every problem in just an hour presentation, but I pray that something has been presented today that will cause someone to step back and reassess their relationships to do the right thing, not make those mistakes that so many of us have made. And Lord, I just ask that your blessing would be upon each one that's here, that's, that's hearing this material, that they would take something to heart that can draw them closer to you, first of all, and to find that right life partner. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.